today. We're excited about you being here with us and worshiping with us, but also excited about what Jesus has done for us. Let's praise and lift the Lord and remember what he has done for us.
you pray with me this morning, please? God, thank you for this time that we have together. Thank you for just the opportunity again to just praise your name. Thank you so much for the empty grave, Lord God, and just how we come together each and every week just praising you, Lord. And, and just throughout our week, I ask that you would help us to just continue to do that, Lord. As we continue worshiping through song and as Ken comes, I ask that you would please help us to remember, Lord, that we are to bow down before you each and every day, Lord, giving you our petitions, Lord, and also giving you praise and glory because of who you are. Help us to not forget that, Lord God. You are the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through you. We thank you for that gift of salvation, Lord. Amen. He's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break as broken hearts declare his praise. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before him. Our God is the Lamb, the for the sin of the world, his blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. So, Make way before the King of Kings. The God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. For who can stop the Lord Oh 
trying to talk to me. I'm gonna wait in line for hours to get an iPhone 12. I wanna watch a whole season of Downton Abbey on Netflix. Every season. The entire series. I want to watch hours of Fox News. Sports Center. At least four hours of TV a day. When I grow up. When I grow up. I will work out to impress people I don't even know. Spend hours on fad diets. I wanna waste all night on Pinterest. Every time I see that video, I laugh, and I also kind of take a step back and go, mm, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? When we see lives, we see opportunities to influence people for Jesus. And so when it, doesn't, it applies to whether they're four years old or two or they're you know, way beyond that. And so what I want to talk to you about is an incredible opportunity we have is to influence these little lives. And some of them aren't so little, <laughs> but they're lives that we have the opportunity to impact and influence them for Jesus Christ. And so watching that video and, and kind of seeing that, my hope and our prayer here is that you kind of feel like your heartstrings are being pulled a little bit to maybe think about getting involved with our children's ministry and impacting and influencing these lives for Jesus. And many of you are, are already doing that, and we're so grateful. Uh, there is a need, and so we want to make a plug for that. On August 30th, there's going to be a training at 6.30 in the Canopy Room. And if you're interested in serving, it's going to be a great opportunity to, to truly jump in and get involved, and we'll find a place for you. Whether it's more tech involved or more it's leading a small group, we will find a place for you in children's ministry. And so if you're interested, talk to Courtney. And uh, we'll get you plugged in that way. But at this point, if you would pass the friendship folders, we'd appreciate that as well. Um, yesterday, I had the great opportunity to join our church uh, at the Trax Farms for the veterans picnic. And it was an amazing day of serving our vets. Over 200 vets we were able to serve. And so it's just cool to see things from start to finish and see how Rick Saccone, our state representative, asked us to be involved. And our church showed up. And I, our church showed up. I mean, there was a there was a whole host of volunteers serving and some people were standing and trying to find things to do but man that was a really great opportunity so we're thankful for that and uh one plug i want to make is i know some of you are starting to think about fall and a lot of students going to college and my son starts kindergarten this week but i want to put a, a a blip on your radar to start thinking about how will you get connected here at crossroads this fall and we believe life groups is one of the best ways to get connected in a church and so we'll talk more about that. Information will follow in the next couple of weeks. But we will be launching our life groups this fall, and we are really excited about that. So how will you get connected this fall? Um, as a reminder, our church picnic is this afternoon from, at 1.30 at Peterswood Park. We'll start eating at 3.30, and there will be all kinds of great things to do as we hang out together this afternoon. And it's going to be a beautiful day at Peterswood Park. Um, at this point, I would like to ask our ushers to come forward, and I'll pray over the morning offering. Father, we're humbled to come before you. We're, we're just blown away when we can sing these songs and know that you, you are the lion, God, that you, you are just so powerful and just so present at the same time, God. Lord, we, we recognize that many of us are sitting on mountaintops in the seasons in life that we're in. And we also recognize that many of us are sitting in the valleys, maybe even feeling below that. But God, we know that no matter where we go, you do go with us. And God, the, the, the situations and the events that we're facing now in our lives, God, that you have not left us. And so Lord, at this point, God, we, we take a moment to give back so much of what you graciously give us on a daily basis, whether it's small or whether it's large. So God, we now give out of a humble heart and as out of a sacrificial heart, the treasures that you give to us, we give back to you, our faithful God, to see your kingdom be widened. 
We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A crown of thorns placed on his head He knew that he would soon be dead He said, did you forget me, Father, did you? They nailed him to a wooden cross Soon all the world would feel the loss Of Christ the King before his hallelujah the slain with oil and spice anointing hallelujah but as they went to move the stone they saw that they were not alone but Jesus Christ has risen
Can we thank Hunter Curry again? Man, what a good job. Appreciate him. Hunter just graduated from Ringgold High School, and he'll be heading off to uh, Liberty University, heading out this week. So uh, I know a number of the students are heading back. Some have already headed back, and some of you got kindergarten starting this week, and we've got senior years of college starting this week. So it's amazing. All kind of fun stuff is happening for, for our church all over the place. Uh, we've been on a tour, a book tour this summer of Ephesus, uh, Ephesians, uh, uh, the, the letter that was written to the people in the town of Ephesus. So as we've been on this book tour, I want you to head over to Ephesians chapter 3 um, in your Bibles if you have them. If not, they'll also be on the screen. But um, Ephesians chapter 3 is uh, where we're heading today as we continue our tour. But as we think about this tour, I want you to think about this word here this morning. And that word is, is significance. Uh, as, as we get into this, we're going we're gonna to look at this word significance a little bit this morning, and I, I think this is a, an area where a lot of people struggle with. Many people are looking to be significant. Many people are looking to say, hey, um, you know, how can I leave my ripple in this world? Some people say that if I'm going to be significant, it has to deal with uh, position, or it has to deal with money, or it has to deal with how many people know your name. And so we write all these, all, the, all these ideas about how to be significant and, uh, and how, to, how to supposedly uh, become significant from things that I get from other people. And what I notice is that a lot of times when, we, when I'm drawing the picture of significance, I tend to draw the picture of significance with me at the center. You know, um, well, how many people know my name? How many people know me? How much money did I get? How, how successful was I at my job? And we tend to put the, that word me, I, I put me right in, and like the whole world is going to revolve around me. And when we start putting ourselves right there where the whole world is revolving around me, it is really an ugly place to be. We think that is, uh, you know, we, we look at the expectations. You have an expectation of life. You expect life. You, you planned life to go this way, and it didn't go that way. So you, you have an expectation. And then when your expectations are not met, who's upset? Me. My, my expectations are, I, I have been let down. I'm, I, I'm upset. So I tend and I put myself in that middle. And, and, and as I struggle with this whole concept of significance, I, I think every human struggles with this idea of significance because it's all about how I'm doing. Um, how, where's my success? How's my business? How's my family? How's my goals? And while we have to be, we have to work at goals, we have to work hard, we, we have all these areas that, uh, that God's given us, uh, the Apostle Paul is going to shed a little light on something here this morning to help you to understand where to find your significance. And your significance really comes from Jesus Christ. But we're going we're gonna to look here, and it's interesting what Paul says here, Ephesians 3, verse 1. He says, for this reason, and the Apostle Paul, remember, he's, can, he's writing a letter. He's in jail, and he's writing this letter. He says, for this reason. So he just got done talking about how the, the Jews and the Gentiles, they, 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 there was a wall, the dividing wall was gone, and so everybody can now come to God. There is, there is nobody that cannot come to Jesus. So he says, now, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles... And then there's a dash. And most translations have a, have a dash right after that word Gentiles. For the sake of you Gentiles. And so what has happened here, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter. And as he's writing, he, it's like putting a parenthesis in. All of a sudden, he starts to think about another, another thought. And so he has this other thought that comes into his mind. And under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he writes these other thoughts. So he's writing. He's been telling us all this good stuff. In chapter 1, he told us that we're short of our blessings. Uh, chapter 2, he said that you're short of, uh, of your acceptance. You're short, uh, short of your importance in Christ. It's all about in Christ. And then he comes and he puts a little parenthesis here. And uh, one of the big things he talks about, he, I want you to catch this. He says, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. He starts, he's going to tip us here. He's going to tip us into this concept of serving. You see, when we serve, over in Ephesians 2.10, he said that you were saved unto good works, right? You are his workmanship. He has a plan for you. The Apostle Paul is going to let us in a little bit about who he is, what's going on with the Apostle Paul. And he says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And he's going to tell us a little bit about serving. And he serves. And I want to encourage you this morning, find your significance in Christ and center your life on serving through the body of Christ. 
If we can make that our passion, make that our, our, that this is what your life is all about. Your life is all about serving around and through the body of Christ. So as we, we get that passion, he, this is where, where we drive, what drives us, what makes us tick. We are significant when we serve, when we do what God has called us to do. Paul was a significant servant. And he started out this way. He says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to understand, he didn't say, I'm a prisoner of Rome. He was in a Roman jail cell, and he doesn't say, I'm a prisoner of Rome. He says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And how often it is that we get this, the, the, this picture of our, our suffering, of our trouble, of the things that we're dealing with, we kind of forget that who we're serving. You're serving God, and as God's called you unto himself, God's given you a plan. As you go out and start serving, guess what? It's going to be hard. Um, this idea that everything's going to be easy, well, listen, there's not, I don't know where that idea came from. That's called just good Americanism, right? That's what we believe as Americans, that everything should be easy. It should be just the the nice and happy way. And, you know, if if it's not happy, quit and go do something else, right? Um, No matter where Paul was, he was a servant. The Apostle Paul, everywhere that he went, he was a servant. And he doesn't say, I'm a prisoner of Rome. Uh, he doesn't say, listen, I'm sitting here shackled to, 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 to guards. He, uh, catch it. He, he's, he's got a, a shackle on him with a chain going to a guard. And the guard changes every four hours. And it's easy to think that, uh, that, that we only serve Jesus when the situation is going the right way, when the situation is going good. And uh, Paul could have easily looked at the gauges. You know, if we start looking in our life and we start gauging life, you know, you have those tanks, they're, they're either empty or they're full. Um, you know, uh, uh, the gas tank in our car goes empty all the time. I don't know how it happens, you know, especially when it's my time to get in everybody's car. They always give me the keys whenever the car is empty, you know. It's, it's, it's really cool because if I need to get somewhere, then I can fill the tank, right? But when you're looking at that tank, you see it's empty. You, you can gauge your life. And if you start gauging your life by the tanks of life, and let, let's just look at, at one of them is uh, how much is in your bank account, you know. Have you ever noticed when that, when that baby starts to drop low and it starts to go towards the E, uh, what, what happens? You know, you're, you're hurting, right? You're hurting when that baby's down at the E. And, and then there's a little tension that happens. Do you ever get those discussions in your house when there's more month than there is paycheck, you know? There's more month left to go than there's paycheck left. And you're, you're like, this tension happens. And it's like, well, what are we going to do? And, okay, this bill needs to be paid. And maybe, you're, maybe you start picking which bill you're going to pay. All right, that tension is not a healthy tension, right? So we look at the gauge and we say, okay, that, that, that tank's low. Or we look, at a, uh, we, we look at other tanks and we say, well, uh, my position, I didn't get where I wanted my career. And you start looking at all these areas and you can really start to see life is bad. Now, the Apostle Paul, he was, he's, he's looking, if he were looking at the gauges of life, he is in jail. Man, that baby is down low. Uh, the, the tank is almost empty. He's been in jail before. He gets released. He prays God releases him. But now he's in jail, and, and I mean, the, the tank could be low. And so Paul is not taking the negative look. He's not sitting here and saying, woe is me. Uh, life is so hard. I don't think I can make it. He could have been discouraged in jail. And by the way, while he was in jail, not only did, not only did he, uh, he have a, a great ministry while he was in jail, it was probably the best ministry he ever had. While he was in jail, now listen, Paul went out, he started churches, he had three missionary journeys, he went all over the place. And while he was in jail, he wrote this letter that you're reading today, Ephesians. He wrote Colossians. He wrote Galatians. He writes these letters to the, to, to the churches. And as he writes these letters from jail, his greatest ministry happens. And it was during the hardest time of his life. So sometimes when we're looking at hard things in life, we've got to remember God is with you. God is there. He is not leaving you just because it got hard. And, and, and this is what we do. We interpret life, oh, things are bad. God must not be involved. And may I share with you that according to what Apostle Paul, what happened to the life of the Apostle Paul, things were bad, and it was the time that God used him the most. I mean, it was, it was horrific. He is in jail. He is waiting a death sentence. And he writes these letters, and uh, Ephesians gives us some of the greatest teachings 
Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. Lay down the foundation. Oh, we're going to get to how to have a happy marriage. We're going to get to how to raise your children. He gives all these great things in there, but he doesn't come after those things first. He goes at the foundation because when you understand who you are in Christ, then you can deal with all these things. But we typically go after these things. We deal with marriage. We deal with children, and we forget God. So he, the Apostle Paul lays this foundation of who God is, who you are in Christ, understanding him, and then he gets to all those things later. But part of it we see here that he says, hey, I'm a prisoner. I was reading about a guy named Sir Christopher Wren. He was building a, he was a, the, the architect, the English architect who built St. Paul's Cathedral. And uh, perhaps you may have heard about this guy. He was a he had obviously a team of men that were, that were cutting the stone for him and putting things together. So one day he goes out to the, to, to the men who were working for him and uh, they didn't recognize him for whatever reason. And he goes out and he asks three, three men, three different, uh, three, the same question. He says, he says, what are you doing? And he goes to the first man and says, well, I'm cutting stone. And, uh, and so... So that's his take on it. He's, he's working hard every day. He's cutting stone. He goes to the next man. The next man says, well, I'm, I'm working really hard, and, and I, make, I make so much per hour because this is my job. Okay, he's going to work, and he's making his job. And then he goes to the third guy. He says, what are you doing? And the guy says, I am helping Sir Christopher Wynne to build St. Paul's Cathedral. Now, you see, three men going to work every day, doing the same job, but one had a bigger perspective. He said that I am helping to build this incredible cathedral. This is awesome. I'm helping the architect. I have value. I have importance. And the other two are like, well, you know, I'm just cutting stone. I'm just doing whatever. And I think if if we're not careful, we can get our life like that. How about your job? What do you do at work? Are you just cutting stone? Are you just making money? Is it hard? Isn't it tough? Isn't it tough out there? Or is God molding you? Is God with you? Is God doing something bigger that you cannot see? Your value. See, if I look at my value and say, well, what I did today, I get value from that. Or I look and say, oh, I work for God. And you know what? That's what you do. Just because I'm up here doesn't mean I'm the only one who works for God. Every one of us work for God. We, when you go to work tomorrow, that boss who, who writes that check... That is the provision of God. That's the hand of God. So when you go work and you put in a full 40 hours and you give your hardest work and it was hard, it was painful, guess what? You're not working to make whatever it is that you make it your job. You're working for the Almighty God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He happens to use another guy to provide that check. And so that, that, that's the mindset. We have to get our mindset put into the right place. And that's what happened with the Apostle Paul. He says, I am a prisoner, not of Rome. I'm a prisoner of Jesus. And God is with me. He understood the promises of God, that God is with him. Now, I'd like to ask you this morning, wouldn't you say that, uh, here's Paul, he's thrown in jail for telling people about Jesus. Wouldn't you say that, uh, that Satan was working? Wouldn't you say that the enemy was working and working hard against them? I mean, he's in jail for telling people about Jesus? And the answer is yes. Satan was working. Satan was working hard. And, uh, and I want to remind you this, though, that while the enemy is at work, he is not in control. The enemy may be at working. Satan is working. Every time you do something good, and I, I like to challenge people about this all the time, you're stepping out and you're making a move in the right direction for God in your life. You had better understand that the forces of the enemy do not want you to do something good. You're, you're, you're getting alone. You're reading your Bible. You say, man, it seems like I started reading my Bible. Life got a little bit harder. Well, guess what? It's because the forces of evil don't want you reading God's word. I went, when you're, you're trying to win your neighbor to Jesus. You're trying to talk your neighbor to Jesus. Uh, tell them about Christ. And man, all these things start coming into play and you're dealing with all this tension. Guess what? The forces of evil are working, but the forces of evil are not in control. God is in control. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So when we, when we have that mindset, we start to go out and understand, whoa, look at the perspective that I have now. The perspective is, hey, listen, life is hard. And I'm looking at those gauges that, I'm, that you're dealing with, and uh, you're suffering. And you cannot deny the suffering. 
The Apostle Paul, he was in big time suffering. He was in some huge suffering. And uh, he did not deny his suffering. But he says, in the midst of the suffering, I'm a prisoner of Jesus. Uh, verse, verse 2, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, uh, by, by revelation as I have already written briefly. And he says, basically, he says, listen, God's grace, you've heard about God's grace, about the mystery. And so the mystery was that, listen, all people can become part of the family of God. Uh, when you read that word mystery, don't ever think that, oh, there's, there's mysteries of the Bible that like, only if you go to Bible college, somehow you can understand that. Or, or if you had a, a degree in Bible, you could understand that. No, no, no. The, you, can, you can open God's Word. You can read God's Word. It is not something that is, okay, the pastors know more. Uh-uh. This is God's Word. You get to dig into it, and it is clear. It is revealed. But when you see the word mystery here, he's saying that a mystery uh, is a truth that was hidden, that is now revealed. So when, when you see that, just remember that. It was a truth that was hidden, that is now revealed. And a truth that was hidden was that everybody could come to God. It is now revealed that everybody can come to God. Up until this time, it was believed that only the Jews were going to find God. Only the Jews could understand who God is. And they had, they had all their festivals and they had all these things. And the Gentiles who didn't have all the festivals and all those things, it was thought that they couldn't have God. So now they come together. They are one family under, uh, in Christ. And he says, the mystery has been made known, as I've already told you. He says it's by God's grace. Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. If you're, if you're taking notes on your bolt, and that's the first fill in the blank. Uh, grace is getting something that you don't deserve. When you think about this, uh, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. I don't deserve to go to heaven. I don't deserve to have a purpose. I don't deserve to have a God who gives me a plan, a, a reason to live every day. But I have it because of God's grace. You get to have eternal life because of God's grace. You get to have a plan, a purpose in life because of God's grace. Uh, um, the, you know, it, it, when, you, when you get something that you don't deserve. And then mercy is not getting something that you do deserve, okay? Mercy is not getting something that you do deserve. When my kids were little, I'll never forget, I went to, I went to discipline one of them and, and give them the, you know, the little spanking that we used to do, Right? And uh, so I'll never forget, my, my kid came, uh, you know, just screaming. And just like, you know, I, I, I did the dad thing, you know, played it up like this is going to be the end of the world, you know. Because when you have two kids, do you ever notice World War II can break out every now and then? You know, World War Three, I guess, you know. It's like this craziness can happen when the kids start fighting and all this. And so I'll never forget, I went into the room and I said, okay, this is not going to be good. And then I went like this. Just very light tap, just like that. And I'll never forget my daughter. She looked at me and she says, but dad, I deserve so much more. I was like, you do? You really? You really? And the answer is, yeah. The punishment was bad. But that day I taught my daughters about grace. I taught them about mercy. Uh, you should have gotten a really, really large discipline. Here you got no discipline. Uh, Dad was very kind to you. And, and you know, it didn't happen all the time because we kept, we, we, we disciplined all the time. But guess what? That day, I tried to teach my kids about grace because grace and mercy. Mercy was I didn't get what I deserved. Grace was I got what I don't deserve. So in your life, grace, mercy is we get, mercy is God doesn't punish us. We don't get to, we don't have to go to hell because of it. We don't have to be separated from God for an ever and ever because of our sin. And his grace is that he gives us eternal life. His grace was that he went to the cross. So, so as we look here, Paul's setting it up and he's saying, man, uh, verse four, in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to men in other generations as it is, has been revealed by the Holy Spirit to God's apostles and prophets. So he says, hey, listen, uh, this mystery, it's new. Uh, it, it, it's it's uh, an exciting time. And he's telling them, hey, basically that everybody everywhere can become uh, a believer. Uh, verse 6, the mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles and heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. All people who've accepted Christ are one family. Uh, you know what? We, we look around. There's people all over the world who worship 
God, and they worship in different styles. And as we see all the different styles, you know, there's churches that have a different style. They sing different songs. They have different formalities. They have different, uh, some are lit- liturgical, some are very stiff, you know. Uh, God loves stiff people too, all right, you know. It, it's all good. And God, you know, every church has a different personality. It's like, a, like people. They're all different. God's created everybody different. And so when we get our local assemblies together, all these churches have a different different feel. Everybody, you know, some are a little bit more friendly or others are a little bit more staunch. And, and listen, that's all part of the family of God. If Christ is at the center, if Jesus is being preached, Jesus crucified, buried, risen again, and that you can have eternal life. If Jesus is being preached, they're part of our family of God. And that's pretty exciting that, that, that we have this, this, this big family that goes all over the world. And he says here, that's the mystery, that all people can come to God. Now, he's not saying that all people will go to heaven. He's saying that all people who've trusted Christ are part of the family of God. All people who've come to faith in Christ, those are the people that are going to heaven. This is our family here. We've come to trust Christ. As you have trusted Jesus as your personal Savior, you're now part of the family of God. Uh, God's grace gives us a new, and I'm going to give you four thoughts here this morning. God's grace gives us, number one, a new position. The Apostle Paul, he, he talks a lot about grace here. And this is all part of the, the significance. He, he, he's serving us. He's finding his significance in Christ, but it's because of God's grace. And he says that God gave him a new position. He says, verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. So, so Paul, he takes on, Paul took on what is the greatest way to be significant, to serve others. And so God gave him this gift of grace so that he could become a servant. Uh, may I share this with you? That salvation comes with an assignment. God didn't just save you so that everything would be all roses and, and you'd have to do nothing. Uh, you know, when we get to heaven, folks, we're going to have assignments. We have to work in heaven. Uh, it's it's going to be a healthy work. It's not going to be like the, we're here, we work under the curse of, you know, there's a curse attached to our work here. We get into heaven, there, there's plans. Uh, I think some of you are pretty glad about that because, you know, I'm not going to sit around with a harp on a cloud, you know, and I hope that you weren't looking forward to a harp on a cloud. If you are, you can have your harp, all right? But, uh, I, you know, if, if you go and you look in Ezekiel and you look at some of these prophetic verses, man, the, the future, man, God has, God has a plan for you. And that plan starts now and it goes on for eternity. So when we're in eternity with God in heaven, you know, there might be a few heart players, but most of us, we've got responsibilities. We're going to have to go out. We're going to do things. And, and God has plans. You want to read a great book on heaven? Uh, uh, Randy Alcorn wrote a great book on heaven. It's a, it's an incredible read. He takes some of those verses and and gives you some thoughts about uh, about what it will be like. But uh, it's incredible what what our future is. And the apostle Paul here, he says, "Man, I, I'm a servant of God." Uh, he's not sitting here in jail as a prisoner of Rome. He's not sitting there saying, woe is me. He, he's serving God and he, he's serving others. He, he's, he's right in the hardest of circumstances. And he says, I'm here. I became a servant of the gospel by God's grace. Uh, we, we follow a Jesus who suffered. And therefore, we're going to have to learn how to suffer. We follow a Jesus who suffered. You know, Jesus went to the cross. Philippians says that Jesus went to the cross and he emptied himself. So do you understand? There's a little bit of tension that happens whenever we serve. And here's what happens. Whenever I go to serve, I have found this. If I'm serving somebody else, it's never convenient. Have you found that? Somebody needs help. It's really never convenient. Um, uh, the, the other day, I, I, I was in the middle of doing something here at the church, and, and I had a plan that we were going to go out to the Washington County Fair. And, you know, I like to go watch this crazy school bus derbies. It's, it's, it's the best night of the fair. That's, that's why I go. I, they, they take all these school buses, and they have a, like a demolition derby, but with school buses. It is so much fun. A bunch of us went out. But I was excited. I was going to, I told Rhonda, hey, we're going to leave early today and I'm going to go home. I'm going to get, we're going to get out of here early and we're going to go look at pigs and horses, you know, and, and maybe a couple cows. And so we were excited to get up there early and go looking around at the pigs and horses and the cows. And then something happened around here and I just started feeling this tension like, oh man, I want to go. Oh man. 
but I knew what I was doing was important. I knew that I had to attend to something here. It was unplanned, something that came up. And so you're feeling this tension. I'm like, okay, but I, I want to go out there. So, so I ended up getting out there. I didn't see the pigs and horses. I still saw my school buses. We had a good time. It was all fun. But you see that moment of tension? See, I was emptying myself. I was giving up. It's not about me. I was serving somebody. It's like, oh, oh. You know, normally my wife would have called me 300 times. It's amazing. I used to think she had an app for that, you know. If I was running late, I thought the app would automatically call wondering where I was at. Uh, you know, she, 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 she wasn't calling that day. There was no calls. And so I got sidetracked. And I'm like, I get in the car. I'm like, oh, man, I felt that tension. And what happened was you're emptying yourself. And when you go to serve somebody, this is what happens. You empty yourself. You give of yourself. It's no longer about me. You've taken me out of the equation. And now it's about you. It's about somebody else. And God has given us the grace to become a servant. That's what, the, what, what Paul says here. He says, I'm a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace. Um, I want you to think this morning about where Paul's at. He's sitting in jail. He's under this horrible, thing, horrible, horrible time. It's a terrible circumstance. And yet he's saying, I am a servant. How about you? What, what's the jail that you're sitting in this morning? Are you sitting in the jail of singleness? Man, maybe you feel like, man, I'm just in jail. I, you know, I'm, I, I'm just going to marry the first thing that comes in the door. May I encourage you? Don't do that. Not healthy. Don't go after the first thing that comes in the door. Wait till at least the second or third, all right? So, so, so it's like, all right, listen, you may be in, in this moment of singleness, and you're saying, oh, man, this is hard. I'm dealing with this. God is there with you. God understands your singleness. He, he's not, he hasn't left you. Just like Paul was in jail, he hasn't left you. How about you're, you're dealing with a marriage? Maybe you're dealing with some marriage problems. You just keep hanging in there to be obedient to God. And could it be in those dark moments that God is saying, I'm there. I'm there with you. Just keep being faithful. Keep moving forward. I am there with you. Get your significance from me. And in the meantime, you're, you're trying to get your significance from your spouse. Don't ever go to your spouse for significance. I know that seems so opposite, but your spouse doesn't have significance to give you. That comes from God. You go to God to get that significance. So, so it's like, man, you're, you're dealing with this. There's that tension, and you're like, oh, I'm going to empty myself. I've got to care. How, how about a work environment? Maybe a work environment is, is a really tough place. And you're like, man, I'll be so happy if I could just get out of this job and into the next one. Well, may I share with you that as soon as you get out of that job into the next one, the, gr- the grass is brown over there as well. It's like it's, it's always tough everywhere we go. How about a health diagnosis? Maybe the doctor's giving you some bad news, and you're like, man, I don't want to deal with this. Uh, man, and you're feeling like, man, this is it. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul talked over in 2 Corinthians about the temporary. Look what he says here. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. He had just talked about some of, the, some of the tough things that the church had watched him go through. He says, but we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. On the outside, it looked like this, him being in jail was terrible. Listen, but he says, I'm getting renewed on the inside. I have something that is far more. You cannot see it. Verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Uh, Do you realize if you're dealing this morning with a health crisis... That is a light and momentary trouble. He said, but you don't understand. I've just been given a terminal illness. Light and momentary. Here, here it is. We are in this world. You have this much on the spectrum right there. If you're going to live 75 years, 100 years, that's it, right? You have eternity with God. The Apostle Paul is saying, look, put this all in perspective. Your job your finances, your singleness, your marriage, all those things. It is this on the spectrum. There is so much more that God has. And this jail cell that he's in, these problems that he was dealing with, what's the jail cell that you see yourself in? For our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 
He, he says that I've become a servant of, of the gospel. He's a servant. He's come to serve. The, the next thing God's grace gives us is a new mindset. Humility. Paul says here in verse 8, Although I am less than the least of all of God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He says, although I am the least. He says, I am less than the least. So here's all of God's people. Here's the least. I'm the lit. I'm below there. I'm at the bottom of the barrel. Now, Paul, he had a great resume. Paul could have, and if that were me and you writing that, we'd be writing about all that we've done. We'd be writing about all the good things that we did. And, but Paul says, no, listen, God, although I'm less than the least, he's given you a new mindset. God gave the Apostle Paul a new mindset because before that, Paul was a pretty proud guy. Paul was a, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He, he had it all. So he gave him a new mindset, and that new mindset is humility. How would that change your relationships if you just took grace in your relationships? Uh, grace gives us a mindset of humility. Imagine what that would do in fixing some of the areas of our life. Um, and then he goes on here. Uh, Spurgeon said this. Spurgeon said that the fuller a vessel becomes, the deeper it sinks in the water. And that's exactly what happens to us. The fuller our head gets, the fuller a vessel becomes, the deeper it sinks in the water. Pride just weighs you down. Uh, responsibility. He's given you a new responsibility. The new responsibility is to share Jesus. Although I am less than the least of all of God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, I want to share with you this morning, this is, God's given you his grace so that you will share with everybody Jesus Christ. And, and, and you know, not everybody's going to be the guy up here who stands up here. I, I'm, I happen to be a proclaimer. I'm a public proclaimer. I stand up before groups of people and I get to proclaim the goodness of God, the greatness of God, and it's an awesome place to be. I enjoy it. But for some of you say, I'd be afraid to get up there, right? I'd be, I'd be, I'd be, that would scare me to death. Uh, let me share with you this, that we all have the responsibility to share, but not everybody's going to be a mouthpiece. Not everybody's going to have this, uh, this gift to go talk to strangers. I have that strange gift. I can talk to a stranger uh, as long as they're listening, you know, and I get a, a, every now and then a nod, okay? I, I, can, I can talk to just about anybody. Um, it's our responsibility to share with everybody, but not everybody's made like I am. You're different than I am, and I'm different than you are, and you're different than the person next to you. So we have all these crazy personalities. And let me share with you what happened here. We got, we got married 24 years ago, and uh, three weeks after we got married, I take my wife on a youth group missions trip, and we go up to New York City. And I came out of New York, and I was on fire to preach for Jesus, right? So I'd go out on the street, on the street corner, and I had these little ropes, and every now and then you'll see them show up around the church. And I would do these magic tricks and tell people about God. And then I would, I would turn around, I had this, like, board, and I would paint, I had paint drawings and stuff. I could get a crowd around, I could get 30, 40 people and tell them about Jesus. So here I am, I've got my new bride. We're in New York City with the youth group. I'm sleeping over here, three weeks married with a group of guys. And there's my wife, three weeks married, sleeping with a group of girls, all right? And, and I'll never forget that. It was, it was one of the greatest trips, but it showed me so much about us. Because I'm out there, and I'm preaching, and I'm like giving the gospel on the street corner. 30, 40 people come around, and we had a little rule. If a, if a woman comes forward, a woman counsels her. If a man comes forward, a man counsels him. And so uh, a woman come forward, and she took this, this pamphlet out of my hand. I said, if you'd like to follow Jesus, take this out of my hand. So she came forward and took it out of my hand. And I look at my wife, and she's standing there. She's going, she's scared to death. I said, honey, you got to go tell her about Jesus. And she goes, uh-uh, I'm not doing it. I'm like, what do you mean? The lady needs Jesus. What do you, what do you? I can't do it. I just can't do it, all right? And so, so that, like, it, it took, my wife is, like, still like that. If I took her to New York and did that today, she'd go, She'd, she'd, be, she'd be like, she wouldn't even come near me on the street. She'd say, I'm staying in a hotel room while you go do that nonsense, okay? And, and so that's just, uh, why? Because God created us differently. It doesn't mean that she's any less. It means that she has other gifts. Man, I can't get up here and sing. You know, I've tried. It, it, it's pitiful whenever I give that a try. Uh, God gives everybody a, a different passion. and I, I have this ability to talk to strangers. I, I'm on a Southwest flight of, we went to a conference a while back here, and, and I thought, wow, Southwest, 
that you don't have to get on. You know, I can wait till the very end because I hate getting on planes. I've flown with some of you, and you know I'm, I'm a basket case on them planes. I hate being on them, and uh, I'll get on the last. So I'm thinking, Southwest, oh, they save my seat, right? They don't save your seat on Southwest. Uh, I got the very last seat. Rhonda was sitting three rows away. I had the very last seat in the, in the back next to the bathroom. It was kind of a cool place to be. You got to meet everybody on the plane. So uh, I'm back there, okay? And, uh, and then some, I had another friend who was traveling with us, and they're, they're across the aisle. So we're, we're, none of us are together. So I'm sitting on a plane, and I, we're, you know, we take off, and I get through the clouds, and now it's cruising altitude. I'm like, all right, I can live. And I start chatting to the people next to me. I look up three rows ahead. My wife is asleep. And I'm back here having these discussions. I'm, we're talking about God and our church. Look us up on the website. And my buddy, he came with me. He's sitting over across the aisle, and he's sitting there reading a book. And I'm like, wait a minute. All these people, and you're reading a book? You're sleeping? So we go to get off the plane. My wife, she takes off, and she's waiting for me. And I'm like, honey, look at my new friends. Let me introduce you to my new friends, right? And she's like, what are you doing? What is wrong with you, okay? And, and she's worried about the suitcase. I'm like, but you don't understand. This is Sally and this is George, really fun people, right? So we have, we have all this happening. And my other buddy, he just kept reading the whole time. You know, it's like there, there was no... no God uses everybody in different ways. So we all have this, God's given us this grace to share. We have a responsibility to share. And some are good at sharing with strangers. Most people aren't. Most people don't like to talk to strangers. And may I share with you this morning, it's okay. It's okay that you don't talk to strangers. We taught our kids that when they were little, for crying out loud, right? (laughs) Don't talk to strangers. Why don't you tell people about Jesus? Don't talk to strangers. They didn't understand it, right? So my point is this. We're to be friendly. We care about people. God will use every one of you. God will use all of us to go out and share Jesus. And that is why he gave us this, to share his, his unsearchable riches. Uh, verse 9, uh, he says here, And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past kept hidden in God, who created all things. Um, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's what the church is all about. He says the church... As it functions, it displays God's wisdom in the heavenly realms. Here's what this means. As the church, we display God's wisdom to the angels and to the fallen angels. When the church comes together and serves, it displays to the whole world that something is that something is deep here. It's the wisdom of God. It's not some text that we're explaining. It's how we live. It's who we are. And we are the body of Christ. Yesterday, 41 people from our church went down to serve here at the veterans event that was held by Rick Saccone. It was an incredible thing. 41 of our people. I mean, we had people of all ages. There were, there were people that were our senior citizens were there helping, and we had some really young people that were helping. We had everybody in between. And so they're all serving, and everybody's serving. You know what happens in a, in a place like that? People look around and say, that church, what are they doing? Let me share with you what happens. The angels took note. This morning, the angels have t- took a note of you. They're, they're like, the, the church is gathered there's a 90-year-old and a 9-year-old, and yet they all fit together. There, there are people that are different. All these people from all these different backgrounds, they don't live in the same neighborhood. They don't act the same way. They vote differently. They do all kind of things crazy. But yet, in the bond of Christ, they all come together. You see, that is the wisdom of God on display. And it tells the angels and it tells the demons who God is. And I want to encourage you. When we... So take this for granted. We take it for granted. This is the grace of God. He's given us the church. And I want to sleep in this morning, you know. Don't you want to sleep in every Sunday? It hits everybody, you know. That snooze button. It seems like the weekend, we can hit that more. It's like, man, when I miss this, I miss 
part of what God is doing is his display, his wisdom. I'm missing the 90-year-old lady. I'm missing the 90-year-old, uh, the nine-year-old little kid. I'm missing the interaction. I'm missing the body of Christ. And this is what the body of Christ is here. And when we gather together, we're putting on display. When we obey God, we're putting it on display. And the angels take note and they go, hmm, Jesus is real. The demons, they shudder. And they say, Jesus is real. Look, they're loving people that they don't love. They're loving people that are not like them. They shouldn't love those people. And look, the church is loving them. Oh, look what's happening. And all of a sudden, God does his work. We are the display to the, to the angels, to the demons, and to everybody. The wisdom of God. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you to accept God's grace. God saved you for a purpose, and he wants to save you this morning. If you have not opened your heart to Christ yet, will you come to Christ this morning? And you can do that just by praying a prayer, something like this. Just respond to him. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. And I invite you into my life right now. And for others, maybe you're struggling with the jail. You're struggling with the circumstances that are hard. Would you respond to God and say, God, I don't want to be a prisoner of these circumstances. I want to be the prisoner of Jesus. Lord, help my mindset. Give me the grace to serve. Father, be with your people as they respond to you all week long. In your name we pray. Would you stand with us, please?